Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello and welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets A Show. Welcome to ESSR Central here on your main feed. My name is Ross McLeod, joined by David Hockney and Scott McLeod. And we sometimes talk here on ESSR Central about the curse of Central. Sometimes we do a show and nothing big has happened. And yet, as soon as we come off the air, something monumental that we'll have to talk about the next week after everyone's talked about it happens. So this week we were quite happy. We, we thought, yes, we'll have a Seth Rollins update. We'll preview the Rumble. TNA is back. And they quote Robbie Williams and Nicole Kidman. Then they go and spoil it all by giving us far too much fucking news. Um, <laughs> Okada's going to NXT. Okada's not going to NXT. Okada's left New Japan. That much is for certain. Raw's on Netflix, uh, NXT is on the CW, um, Raw, will, SmackDown will be going to the USA Network, um, the covers of WWE 2K has launched, 40 years of WrestleMania has people wondering, will Hulk Hogan show up in the Royal Rumble, and oh, just a little matter of the fact that The Rock is now on the board of directors helping run the WWE, Scott Far too much to talk about here, but um, it's nice to be ahead of the news for a change. I like you, one because you promised me we'd talk about Okada and TNA. I didn't sign up for all of this. <laughs> and David, you signed up uh, earlier on today, obviously, seeing the workload Scott and I had. Yeah. Well, this is one of those instances where illness is a is a plus in this case. I was supposed to be going to uh, do an improv show tonight, but illness has... Uh, left me stuck in my flat and what better way to spend isolation than uh, taking on all this news that has just come through in the space of a matter of hours we'd like to send condolences don't worry dear viewers uh, David only has a cold but he has a big drama queen um, <laughs> you want to listen to our massive back catalogue previews, reviews, interviews and all the news you can find the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet on all, all good Android podcasting sites iTunes and Spotify at Suplex Retweet Tweet, 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 tweet. Easy for you to say. Turn that to a bird here. Add Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We're on it if you want to get involved in the conversation. But let's let's just dive into this smorgasbord of stories here. 
Uh, see, that was easier to say than Twitter. Um, <laughs> from a BBC article, WWE Raw, Pro Wrestling's most popular weekly show, will be available on Netflix from next year. Bosses of TKO, the company formed when WWE merged with UFC, have announced that Raw will be exclusively streaming on Netflix from next January 2025. Viewers outside the US will also be able to watch all the weekly WWE shows and live events on the services such as WrestleMania, SummerSlam and Royal Rumble. You have to think this means the end of the WWE uh, network. Uh, here in the UK, we did think it was going to become a peacock-like thing, but now part of Netflix. Uh, Nick Khan, WWE president, said, we believe Netflix is one of the world's leading entertainment brands, is the ideal long-term home for Raw's live, loyal and ever-growing fan base. Uh, no clarification has been given, though, if these pay-per-view events will be included or part of a standard subscription. Uh, David, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> you catch catching my cold already. <laughs> no, I have a cold, but I've powered through. Um, wh- what the hell? Oh, I know, right? It's uh, it's quite uh, befuddling to see it. You know, you know, Raw's been on the air for thirty plus years, and now all of a sudden it's been uh, assigned to a streaming service. So it's it really is a huge jump the shark moment for WWE, shall I say? Because for years now, we've been talking about TV ratings is the um, the sort of the measuring stick for how well like these these shows do. But we've we've also said as well like there's also the the increased usage of streaming services and social media. And I think WWE's finally sort of caught on to the fact that I think more people would benefit from a streaming service rather than live TV. Because, you know, people will have other stuff to do. You know, they'll have to work. Some might not have uh, recording software. But at least with here, you know, it gives them a bit flexibility, you know, with like their their on-demand service and stuff. So it it works out really well for all parties involved. And financially, it's a very good business decision as well. Because I looked at the interview on CNBC where Ari Emanuel discussed the deal alongside The Rock. And looking at the share prices... um, Endeavor, TKO, and Netflix all saw huge rises in their stock price. I think in I think it was TKO specifically, its share price rocketed by twenty percent. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this deal goes, and I'm really happy that you know we'll get to watch it on Netflix for a change rather than relying on you know a specific uh, subscription service. Yeah, Scott. That's the other thing. Obviously, the price of Netflix it no doubt will go up. Um, with WWE on, especially the money Netflix is spending. But, you know, for people who were sports fans and maybe watched the Premier League and Scottish football in the UK, if WWE was on Sky Sports, it was worth the money because you were also getting the football and the F1 and what have you. Um, And BT as well. BT had a lot of great content there. But, if you're only watching for the wrestling, that's a lot of money to be putting out for these channels when you are already paying for a streaming service as well for the privilege of watching um, of watching the monthly pay-per-views and premium live events. This is definitely a step in the right direction and for me. And I think, you know, David talked about um, streaming numbers and what have you. We saw 
so many shows brought back to life by the or get new leases on life or get new runs simply because it found an audience on Netflix. And when wrestling is in a, a boom period, uh, you know, AEW selling at Wembley, WWE going worldwide, being readily available on the world's most popular streaming service isn't a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. I think when they would be launched and they were almost coming up on 10 years ago, I think they could see uh, this move to streaming services and how much more we look at it now, how much more we rely on streaming services. So I think getting their big brand to go on a platform like Netflix is a great thing for WWE. I think it's also a good thing for Netflix as well. Because I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this, like about Netflix and everything the other day, where like in terms of streaming services with original content, your main two now are Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, because like Disney Plus has access to all the Star Wars and the Marvel things and stuff like that. Whereas Netflix has kind of fallen off in that regard, you know, compared to what it was. I know you've got Stranger Things, but then you've got other shows that maybe get a season or whatever, or just unexpectedly cancelled or pulled from the service. So Netflix doesn't have as much to offer in terms of virtual content anymore, but this deal with the especially for your international market, uh, is going to be a hell of a thing because people are already paying for it. It depends just how much more uh, they want to charge for it, how much more you're willing to pay in terms of you know, getting to view WWE. I think it's good for us that we get this on something like Netflix that we're already using rather than what WWE did in America with Peacock because Peacock, I think a big push for its launch was the fact that it had the network involved in it. And it's good that we didn't have it over here where in terms of like, oh, you can get Peacock in the UK where you can get the network because like it would be adding yet another service on to, you know, people don't want to have to add another streaming service onto the already list of stuff they're paying for. Whereas in America, it seems like you're swapping one subscription out for another. But I agree with you in terms of like the streaming numbers there than like TV ratings because if, if there's one thing that the whole XTVAW thing has me tired of, it's people talking about ratings. Ratings are, I think, are never going to be for all what they were way back in the 90s, early 2000s. So, is moving to where the real numbers are, especially for us over here in terms of streaming, because people, most people will watch it online or watch clips of the show online, the main segments they know got announced that they want to watch, like the Punk segment. Like if you heard that Punk and Cody or something Drew was doing on Raw the night before you wake up on Tuesday morning in the UK, you go out on YouTube or whatever on Twitter, you seek that clip out, because that's what you want to watch. And I think it's definitely a move in the right direction, in my opinion, and yeah, the network had a good run, but I think this is a natural step, and I think we're going to have to stay tuned for how this develops, because we've still got another year until it officially happens. Yeah, and one of the things was that they can, I believe it's, they can end it after five years or extend mm-hmm. it to ten years. That's right. Um, depending on, you know, how they feel about it, how they feel it's doing, but I made the, um, we, we talked about Ring of Honor, uh, the Poison Chalice that uh, Tony Khan bought. And we were looking towards possibly a new streaming service, uh, you know, with AW, and they wanted a big catalogue there. So, and we mentioned how Ring of Honor wasn't going to shift a lot of stuff, you know. Ring of Honor um, is, and I, I made a comparison on a previous Central, finding Ring of Honor on a streaming service is kind of like finding King of Queens on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, nice. And, oh, yeah, I remember 
Arthur Spooner, and I, I quite like Kevin James in this. And now, oh God, was it 20 years ago already? Oh, this is a great wee show. I might watch this as a company. But no one is signing up for Netflix to watch King of Queens, okay? They're signing up to watch Stranger Things, okay? They're signing up mm-hmm. for all the new Harlan Coben content, mm-hmm. okay? This WWE going on there is like when Friends went on to Netflix. Friends, possibly one of the biggest pop culture uh, shows of all time, possibly the most popular sitcom of all time. And you could put Raw up there with the same sort of pop culture zeitgeist, you know, the stars it has launched, you know, uh, in its heyday. And... Yeah, you know, Friends hasn't left the top 10 since it's been on Netflix, regularly on the most watched list, um, regularly on the spotlight. This will be what Raw is, and we're talking about original content for Netflix. Well, they now have access to this as a partnership deal. It's an original content. It's I, For years, Netflix have been talking about adding ads, and people have been dead set against that. They can do it in the live version because it's going to be three hours. Raw runs with ads, so they can do ads in between. And mm-hmm. it's not as if, oh, oh they're, they're forcing ads on. It's like, no, no, it's just, this is aired worldwide, so we need to put ads in between. And it allows them to put adverts in. This this is a massive thing for Netflix. It's a massive thing. Um, it's a yeah. massive thing for WWE. Sorry, you go. I guess, yeah, like one thing that I talk about in Netflix is content. I think when, when one of the things they still do very well, I think that Netflix gets a lot of people talking, is their documentary series that they do. Because every time you log in, Netflix, there's always a new crime or something documentary on the main thing that's being advertised. I think that partnership maybe getting some of Netflix's people working with WWE and their documentaries. That's one of the big pulls on mm-hmm. the network. You know, your W24s and, and stuff like that. That's a good partnership. And I'm wondering... We talked about stream numbers and and then do you not maybe not having to worry as much about ratings like TV ratings for Raw? I wonder like you seen back in the pandemic when the numbers were getting bad and like oh panic me because Raw falls to an all time low. Is the new version of that going to be Meltzer reports all time low for Raw? It drops out of the top ten on Netflix for the first time in eight odd weeks. Dave <laughs> Chappelle special or whatever. Mm. You know the Raws recently had another documentary that came out it was a crime doc i think it came out in the last week and funnily enough it was called american nightmare and i thought oh god what's cody rhodes done neck tattoos so we move from raw sorry raw and netflix to someone who could have been part of this a uh, the new owner or sorry the new a uh, board member of the tko board of directors uh dwayne the rock johnson tko uh, posted a statement on their website saying uh, TQO, a premium sports and entertainment company, has appointed Dwayne Johnson to its board of directors effective today. Johnson, one of the, mo- the most decorated WWE superstars in company history and the most followed American man globally on social media platforms, brings decades of experience in live entertainment and sports to the board. Through his expansive business portfolio, which includes Seven Bucks Productions, Tiamara. Tequila, Zoa Energy, Project Rock, and the recent combined Spring Football League and the United Football League, the UFL. Johnson has a significant experience identifying and cultivating revenue-generating media rights, live events, sponsorships, licensing, and social media opportunities. <gasps> Breathe. 
The appointment of Johnson reflects TKO's commitments to deliver long-term value and strong performance for shareholders through strategic growth initiatives across both UFC and WWE. Vince McMahon, Executive Chairman to the Board, said, Very few people on the planet understand the convergence of sports, entertainment, media and business like Rock. We are proud to have him join the TKO Board and help him take our company to new heights. The Rock also part of this deal is that he now has the sole rights to the Rock name. WWE no longer own the Rock trademark. It all belongs to Dwayne the Rock Johnson now. Um, also, this takes the board from 11 members to 13. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on a moment. Poor Brad Keywell. No one knows who Brad Keywell is on a best on a good day. Mm-hmm. On a day where he gets promoted to TKO's board, I bet you this is a massive day in his household, and yet no one gives a fuck because The Rock <laughs> beat him to the punch. Brad oh. Keywell on The Rock on the TKO board, taking it from 11 members to 13. Um, you know what? Let, let's give Brad Keywell his dues. You know, he's worked hard to get that position. Let's give him, a, give him some appreciation. Yeah. Well done, Brad. Moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> so... This, we talked about um, the rumours that when Rock returned uh, a few weeks ago on Raw Day 1, that, pardon me, that it could be to build towards the Elimination Chamber in Australia. Rumours are that the Rock was a big part of that project. Now it's looking more and more likely that we might get the Rock at WrestleMania and what capacity, we're still uncertain. But the Rock currently has a deal with Netflix. He did the film uh, Red Notice with them. He's doing Red Notice 2. Um, he's moving to more serious acting projects. Um, he spent a lot of his time on his business promoting the new Spring Football League. And there's another thing. That's going to need an audience. That's going to need um, branding. And when you have the Rock trademark, when you have the Rock name, which you can use at your disposal, and you're part of a board of directors, which has a global television show on the most famous streaming service of all time. It's not going to hurt when you're looking for a new home. And Scott, you talked about documentaries, Netflix, do a lot of sports documentaries. Uh, We could see uh, stuff promoting the, even if it's not on there, promoting the UFL and pushing, pushing more stuff from The Rock onto Netflix now that he's part of this board, but um, I want to I want to draw your attention, guys, to a comment that The Rock made when he was on with um, oh Christ, what's his name? Aria Manuel. Thank you. When he was yeah. on with him, when him, when they were uh, interviewed, he that said, was, "Yeah, that was the clip from CNBC, I believe." Yeah, he said, "Raw on Netflix, fifty-two weeks a year." That's a whole lot of The Rock raising the eyebrow. Now, does that hint that The Rock will be having a more active role on WWE TV, or do you feel, I'll go to Scott first, do you feel that's maybe just to help sell it, you know, The Rock's there front and centre, because he is The Rock? I do think that'll be him trying to sell it to them, you know. As he said, he was laughing as he said it, you know, don't, we don't want to have a repeat of 2011 when everyone got hung up on the fact when he came out and said, I'm back and I'm never going away. Then he, when he wasn't on Raw, the next day people thought, like, I thought he was never going away. They got confused as to what he meant by that. 
I think with The Rock, and I remember how heavily they were pushing that that movie. He was doing that Red Notice, and you know, I could see The Rock doing it at Adam Sandler. You remember a few years ago when Adam Sandler signed a deal to do a certain number of movies exclusively for Netflix? I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if The Rock did a similar deal just so he can show up in WWE Raw to promote that. Also on Netflix, this film, and I think there's a lot more wrestlers are going into acting than they might be looking at projects Netflix are doing. And WWE, Netflix could be like, we'll show you how it's actually done now. Remember when WWE Studios was a thing? <laughs> yeah, it's not, um, <coughs> not a fond point in WWE history. But Dave, um, do you think we're going to see more rock on WWE TV? Or do you feel this is just part of the promotion? I feel it's just part of the promotion. You know, they need a, a big name to advertise this huge deal that's just went down. And... I think that's what largely affects the share price as well in a lot of ways. You know, The Rock is very uh, is a very engaging person, not just in the world of WWE, but also uh, like in the world of Hollywood. He's an entrepreneur as well. He's got a lot of fans worldwide. As you said before, you know, I think he's the most followed uh, American celebrity on social media. He just has that stage presence about him. doesn't matter what he takes up. The man is, is literally sitting on top of the world as it stands. You know, he's actor, producer, like one of Hollywood's biggest earners. And he's a successful businessman, successful entrepreneur, and he's got all that wealth of knowledge and insight, you know, to help companies sort of grow and develop. And this position on the board of TKO, I think is definitely going to be extremely beneficial for them going forward. Whether or not he gets more involved remains to be seen, but I think if his presence needs to be there, they'll, they'll only do it if they absolutely need it. And the fact that he he's able to do all that, still have a career in Hollywood, and you know live the lifestyle he does, he's he's practically like Superman at this point. <laughs> but then again, he does already play the role of Black Adam, so that doesn't that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Scott, Rocket WrestleMania against Roman Reigns, yes or no? I mean, he's definitely going to be around a lot more thing in the lead to WrestleMania because of this deal. I still think it's him, it's it's Cody versus Rowan because the whole idea that we talked about last time I was on uh, about Rock being at Chamber, it seems to be a null why because like Roman's not even going to bother going to Australia at this point and he's not a lot of shows after me. So I think one way or another, Roman if he's not around, needs to lose at Mania and it needs to be to... Unless it is going to be around a lot, but I don't think it would really be the same for Cody, like win it off of The Rock, just in my opinion. But, you know, there's a lot of people saying this and I'll say as well. Like, I wonder, I bet you Cody's out there hoping that the table The Rock was talking about being the head of was uh, the board table. He just comes in, just steals the seat. I go, you can come back in when you shave the tash and stop dyeing your hair. Well, he has shaved the tash, to be fair. Well, the, the hair dye is horrendous. It looked AI. Anyway, let's talk about uh, from things uh, moving on to things moving off screen, and that's Kevin Patrick. Uh, the rumor that he's being removed from the SmackDown commentary team. Thank uh, God. Dave Meltzer via Wrestling Observer uh, Radio confirmed that unless plans change, Kevin Patrick is being removed from SmackDown com- uh, commentary. Uh, Adam Varble first reported the news on Monday night. PW Insider also confirmed details about the move. Uh, PW Insider 
providing more information, noting that the decision was made Monday night by WWE executives. It stated that he's well-liked, but there was a feeling for some time that the role was not the right fit. I could have told you that week one. Um, <laughs> oh, he just... He's not good. It, 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 like... I think some people thought it was the accent because, you know, Kevin Dunn, you know, he's had a pop at uh, Becky Lynch's accent before. Was it the Irish thing? No, it's it's the bland thing. It's the boring thing. It's the unsettling smile. I have six dead children under my patio. <laughs> Just not a good commentator. I mean, he lacks so much energy and charisma. You know, he delivers the... Uh he delivers big lines, you know, with the enthusiasm of a wet paper bag. It's just not good at all. I think, dare I say, he was just as bad as Mike Adamley. I mean, let's, let's not go too far. <laughs> at least I get more emotion than Todd Grissom trying to tell you that Christian to come back. But I think, you know, he was actually okay as an interviewer. You know, he wasn't, wasn't as bland as some other people they've had as interviews, but he, he did his job well in that role. And then they say just swap him in like Byron or anything like Byron. Like it's quite underrated on Conor. They moved him to interviews, and just I think it's not all the fact that he was they put him as a big part of the commentary team. They tried to make him the lead guy as well. Like he was okay, just chiming every so often. But as soon as they tried to make him like you say Irish Michael Cole, like it was doomed from the start. Irish Mike Adamley. <laughs> yeah. Um... It, it didn't work. It really didn't work. And let's just move on before we start piling on the yeah. guy. Bring back um, Byron. Yeah, but bring back Byron. I, that, absolutely. Um, but for yeah, for me, WWE, and, and I mentioned this in the chat earlier, I'm very happy with TNA's commentary duo, the former Aiden English, Matthew Raywald, uh, and uh, Tom Phillips, now Tom Hafkin, uh, I can say that normally when I don't have a blocked nose. Apologies, folks. <laughs> but yeah, they are they're a great commentary team. And Tom Phillips was staring WWE right in the face for years. And I think he was too much like Michael Cole that they didn't want to put him on. And I, I, their loss is TNA's gain. But hey, let's talk about the 2K video game series, WWE 2K. Uh, announced its cover stars this past Monday, the 22nd of January. It announced that on one cover, it will be Cody Rhodes, and on the other cover, it will be Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Um, They showed the video, which I thought was quite a cool moment, David, of them getting ready to do a photo shoot before Triple H came on the big screen, and they announced that... Not only would they be there filming content for WWE 2K, but they would be filming the cover. Um, mm. Well deserved from Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, two NXT UK, sorry, two NXT graduates, two WWE Performance Center graduates, and Cody Rhodes. You know, we talk about finishing the story. This is um, this is a pretty big bookmark on the way there. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, like. All three of these superstars have thoroughly earned the cover of the game this year. And to receive the honor is a massive, massive deal. You know, consider, I think it was 2K19. You know, this was about a couple of years after AJ Styles debuted. Like, 
arriving onto the cover as early as that, I mean, that that just goes to show how much of an impact he made just within the space of a couple of years. And I think Cody was a, a foregone conclusion as well, considering his return at WrestleMania 39, oh, sorry, 38. And this just went from strength to strength, you know, bar that one hiccup at WrestleMania last year. But yeah, I think all of social media was in agreement that they would like to see Cody Rhodes on the cover. But I was taken slightly aback by the um, the inclusion of Bianca and Rhea on the deluxe edition of the game as well, which I suppose is is pretty fair, actually, considering, you know, you can't just have like a, a male superstar on the cover all the time. You've got to have a, you know, at least a couple of options. Like, I think one year you had Rey Mysterio on the cover and then one of the others, I think, was John Cena as an alternative. But yeah, and the design of the covers themselves, it makes them look makes them all look like megastars. So and it only just goes through that these three have had such success in the past year or so. It only makes sense for them popularity wise, merch sales wise. It's good but it's good I'll start that again. It's good business to have all three of them featured in such a a big advertising spot within the gaming community. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, just having a look here just now. Uh, Cody Rhodes will be on the standard version. The deluxe edition features Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. And the 40 years of WrestleMania mode, which I'm going to come to you about, Scott, features, and give me a moment here, Andre, Austin, Hogan, Lesnar, Undertaker, Rock, Bret Hart, John Cena, Triple H, HBK, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, and Roman Reigns. Um Scott, I'm just going to read some of the stuff out to you. Obviously, we are big, big fans of the WWE games. Um, breaking new ground on the deluxe edition featuring powerhouse duo Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, marking the first time in the franchise's history that two women have graced the dedicated WWE 2K cover. Uh, the 40 year of WrestleMania mode. Oh, I'm skipping by that. Um, how there's only going to be 21 matches in this 40 years of WrestleMania mode. Although, the game has four new chaotic match types, the return of special guest referee, ambulance match, casket match, and gauntlet match, uh, responding to the direct requests of the WWE 2K community. My GM mode is back, um, and so much more. Yeah, but I love, Scott, these... These 40 years, 30 years, 25 years, you know, anniversary covers, because it always leads to there being loads of people in the game and sometimes people that maybe get left out, but somehow they sneak their way in there. So I'm really looking forward to this 40 years of WrestleMania mode. Yeah, because like if you remember back uh, when they did 2K14, it was like a 30 years of WrestleMania one and you were going mm-hmm. through in iconic matches and everything. And also you've got an extra 10 years now worth of, of great matches to, to choose from. And mm-hmm. so doing a bit of a dated version of that is good. You know, I still never understand why when they did two, WrestleMania 20 for that original 30 years of Mia, they thought, okay, we can't do the main event for obvious reasons. Let's not do Angle and Kurt, you know, to the greatest of all time. They said, they said they chose to do bloody Goldberg and Lesnar for that game. That's <laughs> it was... You know, obviously, really well received at the time. But I think that was done for one reason and one reason only. It was Goldberg's one WrestleMania match. It was the way to get him into the game. Yeah, well, I really like this idea for the showcase. Like, they've really been set around in terms of the showcase mode and 
like for everything's like Juki twenty two and like the addition of the GM mode, I'm glad to see that's coming back. One thing I could have done without with this four years of mania uh like Juki advert is the weird AI looking it was like it was weirdly AI generated versions of Austin and Hogan talking directly at you down the camera. Is that something that will just haunt me for the rest of my life? <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it will be good. It's nice to see three very deserving people on the cover and some fun stuff that hopefully keeps people entertained for hours and hours to come. What matches um, do you think we'd get from WrestleMania 30 to 39? Given well, that you know we've already had 30 years of Mania from 2K14, what do you think would be featured on 40 years if we were just to include the last 10 years? Um, oh god that's a, that's a good question I think Cena Undertaker even though it was a squash will be in it mm. um, don't think Daniel Bryan is going to be in it Just you can't have him. Sasha Bianca at the minute you can't have uh, Sasha Bianca but you will have I think we'll have Becky and Bianca in it um, yeah. the, the main event for Mania 35 the three women event or the Kofi Mania although actually not that Bryan as well no. I think solid women's matches you can have. You know, you could even like the the women's match from Mania Thirty Two. I think it was a, a better one, one of the better matches of that year's Mania. Triple H, the uh, Seth, a mm. lot of matches there. The likes of the the Triple H match and the Brock Lesnar match. Um, yeah, he, he'll be there. I like to see them like have the option to like you don't need to play as a person on one. You could try and like rewrite history of WrestleMania because like. You remember, like that state thing was in two K fourteen, where you had two alternate modes because it was leading to me there where the street was broken, where you had defend the street mode where you played ending and it's a barrage of different opponents. But then you also had defeat the street mode where you could try and play as a various many opponent of Taker and Feynman that used me about try and beat him. But the only issue with that was they super they fucking enhanced Undertaker's skill ability, so it was impossible to fucking beat him. Mm. I think they've got to defeat the Tribal Chief mode in as well because Roman Reigns is a 99 rated overall character this time around so I think they'll do something similar this time out as well a mode, that you, can only try and, a mode that you can only try and play five times a year same as Roman Reigns <laughs> I don't know if any of you remember the Legends of Wrestlemania game that yes. they had yeah. yes, they had three sections they had relive, rewrite and redefine Um which I really enjoyed. So I think something like that would be interesting. You know, like, you know, what if Becky didn't lose the title to Bianca? What if, you know, what well, Charlotte Asuka, that'll streak. be one. So there you go, what? I said, uh, what if Charlotte didn't beat Asuka's streak? Yeah, there you go. Charlotte Asuka, that's one I think will be in the game. But let's move on to uh, Okada. Okada... Last week, sorry, uh, yeah, last week, uh, last weekend actually, um, a press release was put out regarding Okada leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling. He will finish up on the 31st of January, so no Royal Rumble for you. Um, he had Will Ospreay's last match uh, on the 13th of, uh, last singles match I should say, on the 13th of January. He is defending his never openweight six man tag titles against uh, the Mighty. And yeah, he's just, he's kind of, I think he's done everything. Rumours came out today um, that Okada was going to be going to NXT. Then sources from New Japan, TNA, 
and AEW all made it clear that any talk of Okada going to WWE is premature and that no deal has been signed for Okada. Scott, you're our East Meets West guy. I'll let you take over here. Talk to us about the final few weeks of Okada. What's he been up to? And where would you like to see him go? It's interesting. Okada's kind of going on this little like, mini tour on his last little run uh, for New Japan because he, he defeated Brian Danielson in the rematch from their from their Fumendor match. He beat Brian Danielson at Wrestle Kingdom. He's got this six-man tag team title match, which originally was supposed to actually booked for later on in February. But with the news about Okada leaving, they moved it to, well, that's like today as you're hearing this on February 24th, 20th, tomorrow as we're recording now, but you'll be hearing this same day that this match is taking place because uh, they want to, I think, get the title match while he's a contracted wrestler and they're even hyping up his, his last match as a contracted New Japan star. So he, he Tanahashi, and he's here to defend their six-man belts against, against TMDK. It's probably looking more likely that TMDK are, are going to win now, which is good for them. And then he's still going to appear at the big New Beginning shows, which include February 11th in Osaka and the 23rd and 24th of February uh, in Sapporo. So they've announced for February 11th he's agreed to have one more singles match with Tanahashi and like the 12-year anniversary of their first match back in 2012 where Okada shocked everybody a couple months after returning from TNA and won the title all those years ago and kicked off their legendary feud. So he's having one last match, which means that means that big February 11th show is a stack show in their top three matches because he got that match. Semi-main event is Zack Sabre Jr. Brian Danielson Part 2. And then the main event is Will Osprey's last contractual match for New Japan and a way leads the United Empire against the Bullet Club in a 5-on-5 cage match. But they have teased that Okada will make appearances on the 23rd and 24th and they haven't ruled out the possibility of him having a match on one of those shows. So Okada, while not under contract, he's going to make some final appearances in February. And so if he was going to show up in Derry for a big spot, uh, the earliest you're looking at is maybe WrestleMania, but he's 36 years old. He was given the title very early on. The six-man belt is the only other belt he's won other than the top prize in New Japan. So they, I said this to Grant several times, they kind of put themselves in a corner. You know, it was a hell of a thing to make him a star very early on, constantly making him the world champion. It did a lot of business for them, but it made it hard for them to book him in any other title scene without looking like a demotion. They managed to find a way to get him in the six-man division and not make it seem like a demotion. They actually helped raise up the belts. But I think for Okada, it's like, what else can I do? How many more Wrestle Kingdoms can I main event? How many tournaments can I win? How many times can I be the IWGP world champion? And I think he is wanting an opportunity. Maybe in a US company where the AEW or WWE, because I think that's going to be the the place he ends up. You know, on this coming Thursday on Impact, they're going to air that match where he had teamed with the I think that's just a little bit of closure. I'm getting to go back to TNA after such a negative experience before. Uh, yeah, like, as funny as it would be, like, again, 36 year old Okada doesn't need to go to NXT. Let him come to the main roster. And I'm sure Triple H can find a way to introduce him to audiences without him having to go through the developmental territory first. I think. Um David, you can jump in here if you mm-hmm. disagree. I think, and it, it's kind of a Kushida thing. Um, Kushida and, and actually Andrade, when he first came to NXT, uh, these were New Japan uh, stars, not obviously on the level of Okada, but 
these were guys who were known to an international audience, but English wasn't their first language. WWE is all about the promos. Perhaps it was about getting them into English-speaking school. Will Osprey, I know, uh, put a few photos up. Uh, Kushida used to write to him uh, from New Japan, uh, from NXT, and would talk about his English improving and the English classes they were making him go to. Perhaps this is to allow one the the superstar himself to uh, settle in America, make the move, make the transition, moving to a different country, learning a new language, but also, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Royal Rumble. WWE is very, very hot at the minute with top-level caliber superstars. And on the road to WrestleMania, I don't think it's the best time to be introducing a new superstar. Mm -hmm. So perhaps NXT is a safe place where Arcada can come in, make a big enough splash that makes an impact, no pun intended, and then move on to the main roster when he's more comfortable with his surroundings. I don't think it's the in-ring thing that's an issue. I think it's the language barrier and the fact that WWE is a very hot place right now. Yeah, I completely agree. It's um, When I think of Okada possibly coming to WWE, I think of the case of Shinsuke Nakamura back in 2016. You know, the first time he was brought in was to compete at NXT TakeOver Dallas against Sami Zayn. That was Nakamura's first match, and he ended up having an instant classic with Sami Zayn. And this was literally days before WrestleMania uh, 32. And Nakamura wasn't that well-known to a, a US audience, I don't think. Only the diehards really knew who he was. And Okada's kind of in that same position. Yeah, people know about his incredible series of matches with Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom and Dominion and all that. But the wider WWE audience, myself included, is probably not going not gonna, to not gonna know much else about him. So give him the time to develop a foundation in a smaller audience in front of more diehard fans who do have a better chance of knowing who he is and his, his line of work. And it also gives him a chance you know, to integrate with US customs, learn him, help him improve his English, and maybe get a run as NXT champion along the way, you know, Work, work a smaller audience, get that fan base swelling, and then post-mania, you can decide when he decides to be brought up to the main roster, because as you said, Ross, there's a lot of eggs in the WrestleMania basket at the minute, you know, with Seth Rollins, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, it's already looking stacked. The last thing we need is to do is, is oversaturate it with somebody that not all of the audience is going gonna, is gonna to appreciate right off the bat. Yeah. And Scott, obviously David's talking about potential next WrestleMania bringing um, Okada up. Obviously, that's the, the the template they sometimes use. However, there's nothing to say that, you know, he's there for six months, kind of like a Kevin Owens thing, and then he's right up and into a main event storyline. I think it's just much like with Cody Rhodes coming over, to WWE um, I think WWE had to be careful with how they booked Cody because he was, wasn't was just an AEW superstar he was the AEW founder and I think people wanted to see how that went before other people jumped ship 
Jade Cargill's a, an example of that. And there's been no rush to get her on the main roster. But I think with New Japan and its relationship with uh, AEW, I think Okada's booking needs to be very, very specific and very, very, very careful. Not, not saying he has to come in and win every week, but he can't be coming in and on, you know, month three, he's losing to chase you in a, a random tag match with, I don't know, you know, the, the members of the metaphor is his tag team partners, you know, like he, he, he needs to be handled properly. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think to the extent Nakamura maybe shouldn't have been in NXT for a full year because you see the first six months he was having great matches with Sami Zayn and uh, Finn Balor and Austin Aries. But when he was the NXT champion, like he was switching it back and forth with Joe. I think they had Joe write him off for a couple of weeks like with an injury thing before he came back for the rematch. So he wasn't even on much as champion. Lost today, Joe. Traded it on a fucking live event, which is then televised on NXT TV. Then quickly lost it to Bobby Roode, only to set up in two months' time a rematch that we all knew Bobby Roode was going to win. So, if anything, like Nakamura shouldn't have been as long as he was. I think some of the best stuff he got from Nakamura was in NXT and not on the main roster where it should have been. And I think with someone like Okada, even though he's a few years younger than what Nakamura was when Nakamura came over, I think if you want to get the best of Okada, you need to have it on the main roster. And I like I said, you know, even in either whether it's NXT or the main roster, I'm not saying he has to win every week, but it's not just about how you present him in matches, how you present him just in general as his character. How do you get that character across? Do you show people who don't know him that he's a big deal? Also try and placate people who do know who he is. And I think they've had a hard time trying to keep Cody in relevant things for a year so they can get him back to WrestleMania this year. I was touch and go for a bloody while. We're like, what do we do for a month before Brock comes out? Uh, do you fancy wrestling Dominic Mysterio? Uh, but so I think- yeah, that was very much an international crowd carrying that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, but it will be interesting to see where he goes. <laughs> Look, I, I've seen a tweet about this that went, I doubt there'll be a Forbidden Door 3. These shows are really just Tony Khan telling talent how he'll treat them better. Um, and I'm sorry, but there's there's a growing list of superstars who, if you're really honest with yourself, they haven't been treated any better in WWE, sorry, um, AEW and uh, Ring of Honor than they were in WWE and NXT. So, be interesting to see. Um, I don't. I know NXT wouldn't be your first choice, Scott. Um, but I would much rather see Okada winning the Heritage Cup from Noam Dar than teaming with the best friends and Chuck Taylor on a random six-man tag on Rampage. <laughs> um, I hear you. Yeah, he's only yeah. going to get lost in the shuffle if he goes to AEW. I mean, look what's happened to some of the other New Japan signings. One in particular, Jay White. I mean, I like Jay White now. Me and Grant, on several occasions, on the first few months of him being there, on Reese Beans West, would regularly rip into Tony Khan for the booking of Jay White. It wasn't until like Collision and the you know the Bang Bang Gang you know, really kicking off, and Jay's feud with MJF, and now the, the six man chats are doing this thing with the acclaimed. I'm really starting to enjoy Jay. I mean, it's a bit different from what he was in Japan, but it's different in a good way. And like, yeah. well. 
is and someone you can almost guarantee he's going to try and put a lot of emphasis on, especially with Wembley coming up again. But mm-hmm. people like him going over and like Jamie, this whole thing where he lost two big matches and his last couple of Japan was pretty much the stipulation had the implication that he could not go back to Japan. Like, like, and well, Osprey's doing this whole big farewell thing as is Okada. But like, why do you need to do this whole farewell thing? Like, I know you're probably going to prioritize the American cover you're going to. Why do you need to do this if you're not going to WWE? Why do you need to do this for AEW that already does shows, at least one show a year, with New Japan on it? Like, yeah. you, can, like, you don't need to do this big farewell. It's like, well, you're not going to see me for a long time. I'm away to America. And then, oh, look, he's back. Like, same way with Kenny Omega did when he came <laughs> back. That's pretty well Osprey. Like, it just seems like the most, going to from New Japan to AEW is like the most boring move you can make. It just seems like, ah, oh, uh, well, that was deemed obvious, but and I'm sure Will will do very well over there, but just like adding Okada on top of that just seems like, again, you're already stacking so many plates you can't balance, Tony. You don't need to add this one as well. Well, I mentioned Rampage. Being in NXT but not Raw SmackDown, I don't think it's a demotion. If you're in Ring of Honor and not on AEW, that's, that's a demotion. Um, so let's move on uh, to TNA. There's a ton of TNA and Hard to Kill. TNA presented the Hard to Kill pay-per-view from Paradise, Nevada's Palms Casino Resort. TNA is back, they said, on January 13, 2024. The largest crowd for a TNA show in over eight years. Um, A sellout crowd. And there was 12 matches on the card, three on the pre-show, uh, Steve Macklin winning the first match of the new TNA era, defeating Rich Swan. The system, Eddie Edwards, Brian Myers uh, with Alicia Edwards, defeating Frankie Zarian and Eric Young. Crazy Steve is the new TNA digital media champion, defeating Tommy Dreamer. On to the main show, Giselle Shaw wins at the Knockouts Ultimate X match to determine the number one contender for the TNA Knockouts World Championship. Um PCO and Dirty Dangle thrown out, which led to a six-man tag with Rhino, Jake Something and PCO defeating Alpha Bravo, Dirty Dangle and Vladimir Kozlov in a six-man tag match. Decay are the new TNA Knockouts World Tag Team Champions defeating MK Ultra. Chris Sabin defends his TNA X Division Championship in a triple threat against Vikingo and Kushida. Josh Alexander defeats Alex Hammerstone via pinfall. A... The Bullet Club, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, ABC, defeating the Rascals, uh, Laredo Kid, Mike Bailey, and the Grizzled Young Vets in a fatal four-way to retain their TNA World Championship, uh, World Tag Team Championships, I should say. Jordan Grace defeats Trinity to win the TNA Knockouts World Championship for the third time. Moose is now a two-time t- uh, TNA World Heavyweight Champion, defeating Alex Shelley. And after the match, the most wanted man as he's been billed the former Dolph Ziggler, Nick Nemeth, makes his TNA debut. He hits Moose with a zigzag before disappearing into the crowd. Um, he was on Impact this past episode, the first episode of TNA Impact this past week. Looks like he's going to head into a feud with Steve Macklin. Scott, what would you like to talk about on the whole TNA front? Just there's so much to touch there. I think it's something that can kind of cover the card in general, just on this one point, is that Something I've probably foreseen coming, although I was surprised that some of the some of the titles did change, is that there was a, a lot of, of title changes, you know. Uh me and Grant joked about, you know, the sheer amount of the fact that like every title on the line at New Japan's uh, risk was 
changing hands. But like majority of these titles change hands, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen a few. I didn't expect to see as many. Like the only titles that didn't change hands were the tag team in the X division, uh, and. I was sure that the world title wouldn't change hands. I, I knew the dockets probably would with the reports about Trinity. I was kind of surprised at the amount of title changes we had. I mean, I was thankful that we uh, we switched digital media champions, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, thank God that Tommy, that Tommy Dreamer match I quite enjoyed. I know you didn't like it against Kenny King, but, you know, it was a fun match. You should have lost it straight back to him. Um, but yeah, yeah. A good portion of the TNA fans I don't like because I think it was a Facebook page dedicated to TNA and the top comment under the reveal of like of Tom Junior holding the belt saying TNA unveils a new uh, digital media championship uh, and some top comment was just saying they couldn't unveil a new digital media champion. <laughs> um, let's talk about um, some of the news coming out of the show as well. Uh, Ash by Elegance, the former Dana Brooke debuted uh, before the TNA Knockouts World Championship match. She was in the crowd, much to my chagrin. Um, TNA and AAA announced a official partnership building on a 20-year uh, handshake agreement that they already had. This allows for a talent exchange and allows talent to work in both promotions uh, and allows for dream matches, as we've seen Vikingo. He was also on this past week's uh, episode of Impact. So good to see him here. But let's talk about Moose defeating Alex Shelley. Uh, Alex Shelley's title run, it came out of nowhere. It kind of derailed what was a bit of a flat Macklin reign. Um, he then has feud with Nick Aldis. Kind of gets overshadowed by the return of Josh Alexander. It, we were obviously heading there for Bound for Glory. So then he's back in the Morissette Machine Guns tag team. He's back. Um, he's back in sort of a, a secondary role. He's not world champion. And then, of course, at the end for Bound for Glory, they announce uh, we're back. And TNA goes off on this tour of the UK, um, doing a couple of best of shows. So he's not really been on TV as a champion too much, or as the main focal point, because he was still part of Motorcycle Machine Guns. And the two feuds that he really had, they they didn't amount to much simply because he wasn't the focus. You know, it's something always trumped it. You know, it was the return of Alexander. It was the return of TNA itself. Um, Moose, however, with this new with this new um, system a uh, faction with this new gimmick as world champion I'm really looking forward to seeing where Moose goes with the title because I think he's going to be front and centre of his faction whereas Alex Shelley sort of fell back into it mm-hmm. I think I think uh, with this reign like his previous Impact World title reign like it was a few months that he had it he did some good stuff with like, like he had a match with Big Bill then with W. Morrison which I think was better than anyone thought it would be uh, that really had stuff with Matt Cardona as well but you always knew there was an expression. He was always winning it just so Alexander could win it back after the circumstances of him cashing and his opportunity from Call Your Shot. But with this one, I think he's going to get a longer reign and get a chance to be more free with it. I don't think Nem's going to take it from him. They're going to tease him taking it from him, but I don't think he's going to be able to take it. Uh, Nick Nem is fucking everywhere. He's going to be in Japan on the 23rd of February challenging David Finley for his 
IWGP Global Championship for their title defense of that new title. So he's going all over the bloody place. But with this belt, this reign, I think, you know, I know I said I was like surprised that he won it in hindsight, given that they said, oh, Moose, remember a few years ago, you brought back the TNA champion, you could now officially be the TNA champion. I'm thinking, ah, I should have seen that coming. They were kind of setting that up. And I think part of the reason that Shelley held on to the belt as long as he did coming on at this show was so that a TNA original could hold the TNA belt walking into it. I think it's the same thing with, with Saban. They hide up his history with the belt and the fact that he's now the new lineage of the TNA World Championship, uh, the TNA X Division Championship. But uh, I think the fact the longer that he keeps on to the belt, like Saban keeps his belt and Alex doesn't have his, might tease eventually cause that split that we've been talking about for ages, which feels like a bar at this point. Like, no, Christy is coming. Christy is definitely coming. <laughs> uh, David Jordan Grace defeating Trinity uh, Impact is doing tapings this coming weekend in Orlando or sorry they did the, uh, last weekend in Orlando it looks like Trinity's finishing up in uh, TNA wrestling she's had a good run uh, she's had a bit of a bit of a renaissance but she always does something special in any Royal Rumble she's in mm-hmm. um, do you think with Triple H now at the helm, women getting more time on screen, and given the fact that, you know, she she holds all the cards in a negotiation, do you think Trinity could be in the Royal Rumble? I think there, there is definitely a chance of her getting brought back for that very reason. And, you know, she did have, as you said, a bit of a career renaissance with her time in TNA. Um <laughs> There have been a lot of rumours floating around that she will um, probably go back to WWE at some point. Royal Rumble seems like a perfect timing, you know, much like, you know, Casey Catton's Arrow in 2019. She's good at avoiding eliminations and being creative, much like, you know, Kofi Kingston is in the men's Rumble. And But she does have some achievement to her name as well. She was listed as Pro Wrestling Illustrated's uh, Comeback of the Year in 2023. So it's a... Uh, it is that resurgence has definitely sort of paid dividends in a lot of way and probably one of the most underrated and underused talents that WWE has ever brought in. And let's not forget the WWE audience has known her since 2011, back on that season three game show format of NXT. And she's just went from strength to strength, but I don't think she's been given more than enough credit than she's earned. And there definitely is more of uh, a possibility of her getting featured on the flagship shows under the helm of Triple H as opposed to under Vince. I'm not really sure why she never got the push, but yet fans were screaming for it. But I think with Triple H, you know, him being more in touch with the audience and stuff, I think there is potential for Naomi slash Trinity to have a, a second run at it. Absolutely. Uh, Impact also announced, sorry, TNA announcing some of its first uh, shows or monthly specials. Uh, from the uh, from the West Wago, easy for me to say, in Louisiana. <laughs> sorry, West Wago, Louisiana's Alarino Center. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, <laughs> no Surrender, February 21st, 2024. <laughs> you guys like that title, don't you? 
Oh, I enjoy it. February 23rd, 2024, I should say. The same day as Elimination Chamber, folks. So if you're a wrestling fan in the UK, a 10 o'clock start in the morning for Elimination Chamber, then enjoy your day, have a wee nap, get back up about 12 o'clock and watch TNA No Surrender. A lovely full day of the wrestling. And then from Windsor, Ontario, Canada at the St. Clair College, March 8th, 2024, the... 15th annual sacrifice event will take place um, so yeah TNA going full steam ahead the addition of Dolph Ziggler Will Ospreay and Josh Alexander part 2 took place this past week on Impact I recommend you watch it and yeah just it, it's a fun time to be a TNA fan and I mean, <laughs> it's hard not to get emotional, Scott, when you think this company was going out of existence, the hard to kill was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek, and now it's the it's the best-kept secret. Yeah, I actually think that it's, uh, no surrender the night before. Jimmer could say it's the 24th, it's only Jimmer, but like early in the morning for us. So if you wanted to, you could stay up watch TNA live like leave the telly and fall asleep on your couch, wake up about ten, like up, oh, but up, switch over to the network. There's the elimination chamber on. <laughs> and yeah, like that is really like stacked in the network. Especially in the first couple weeks of the new weekly TV, because this Thursday you got like that Okada six man tag that I mentioned. I think they're doing Trinity and Jordan in the rematch, and then I think she's got one more match to that she taped at the recent tapings in Florida. So you know, kind of, they're running back that match from. So two big matches this Thursday. Yep, looking forward to it. Let's talk. Let's talk the Royal Rumble. Let's talk. It's the big thing on everyone's mind. It's this coming Saturday. It's on the twenty seventh of January. Who doesn't love the Royal Rumble? For me, Royal Rumble best pay per view of the year. Do you guys agree? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Yep. Coming to you from Topicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida, home of the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to the Thunderdome, folks. Four matches announced so far. The men's, the women's Royal Rumble match, the fatal four-way for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship, and Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens. There's so much going on. Let's talk about um, what's on the show, what's not on the show and what we think our predictions are, because Seth Rollins opened up this past Monday's uh, episode of Raw. He announced he's hurt. His knee is not what it should be, but no one is going to stop him going to WrestleMania and defending this world title. That brought out the ring general, Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion, announced that he would be entering the Royal Rumble, and when he wins it, he's going to pick Seth. He's coming after Seth Rollins as the Intercontinental Champion. And it's an interesting thing because they've done, you know, the Seth injury angle before. I'm not a fan of it because I think if you know how injured this guy is, then cash in. Um, I, re- I really hope Damien Priest is not in the Rumble. I just feel it's a wasted spot. Um, but yeah, just cash in for God's sake. But Scott, there's been a lot of talk. CM Punk, there's been talk of uh, Jey Uso. There's been talk of Drew McIntyre. Been talk of Sami Zayn in the World Championship match. 
What was your thoughts when you saw Gunther interrupting Seth? What would what do you make of that as a world championship match? Oh, definitely it's something I want to see. I think you could argue in his saying that Gunther's been the top champion in some instances more so than Rollins in terms of quality matches for his title. And it's, it's weird that Seth's not going to wrestle at the Rumble. Like, even before the injury, they didn't announce anything in advance for the World Heavyweight title, which considering like Roman Reigns is on the show in a four-way match, you know, he hasn't defended since uh, the last Saudi show. And you know the fact that the whole thing was created so that Seth could be the workhorse defender even when Roman wouldn't defend his. The fact that Roman's defending his and Rollins isn't is weird. Yeah, like, and they've been teasing and stuff like they were, like they were may have a match Roman and Damien this week on Raw. And so having Damien cash in and having Seth trying to fight to get back to WrestleMania or maybe just do him and Punk without the title and let Damien do something else. You know, have Damien and Drew at the Rumble and then tease something with Sammy going into WrestleMania and Sammy can try and take down the Judgment Day and take the world title. There are so many things you could have done here and the fact that yeah, like he got a legit injury, he's even come out and said it and they've talked about he's back for months and somehow Damien still hasn't cashed in, is making him even look more and more stupid as the weeks go on. But I think also the stuff with Gunther was to keep in everyone's minds given how close he got last year, breaking the record, getting to the final two with Cody and everything. And the fact that he walked into that run with IC Champ and he's still IC Champ this time around as well. And it's a good thing you Russ, you said Saturday is the rumble. Because you've got to get that right. Because if you're like Gunther, you'll have the graphics department and Michael Cole giving you shit for it. <laughs> um, yeah, as it, Scott mentioned, David, um, keeping Gunther hot, you know, he was so close to winning the rumble last year. Mm-hmm. He's went on this record-breaking uh, IC title run, winning against Sheamus and Drew at WrestleMania. Uh, matches against Riddle and Drew throughout the year, uh, the good feud with Chad Gable, the Miz. He's reignited a lot of people during this um, run. And the interesting thing is, as much as going into a match, you're like, no way he's dropping this. There is so many times where he is so good at selling, underrated part of his game, that you think, oh God, this is it. Is he one of the favourites for the Royal Rumble on Sunday? Well, I would say so. I mean, if his last, if his performance last year was anything to go by, I wouldn't bet against Gunther whatsoever. Doesn't matter if he entered at number one or number thirty. It's I wouldn't bet against Gunther, especially you know, knowing that he can go the distance. He's got power. He's got agility, and you know, it, I don't think it'll be that difficult to eliminate him. All things considered, you know, he's not the biggest guy on the roster anymore. But he definitely has high ring IQ and he definitely knows how to be a survivor in a lot of ways. So I wouldn't be surprised if he made it to the final four, maybe alongside a few other big names like who are sort of who are sort of teased to be the favorites to win. And there's definitely a few names that could crop up that you wouldn't have originally betted on winning. You know, because you've got the firm favourites, etc. But then you've also got maybe a few dark horses, a few surprises, etc. I am genuinely excited to see what WWE pulls off in terms of what they do in terms of storytelling, etc. But I think regardless of the route they go down, I don't think Gunther is going to look bad in any any capacity. Scott, um, we've talked about, obviously, it's a bugbear of Gary Kernahan's 
um, too many people being announced for the Rumble at this point in time, and I hope they don't do it on SmackDown, um, but they still could announce more people. But at this point in time, only eight of the 30 have been announced for the men's and four of the 30 for the women. Uh, Cody Rhodes, CM Punk, Shinsuke Nakamura, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Gunther, Kofi Kingston, and my worst fear come true, Damian Priest, um, have been announced for the Men's Rumble, whereas Bailey, Nia Jax, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair have all been announced for the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, we've... We, we talked about uh, Seth Rollins and his road to WrestleMania. Someone he could cross paths with is CM Punk. It seems to be where the roads are leading. Um, CM Punk and, ironically, Cody Rhodes uh, mm-hmm. talked about how discussed their friendship on Raw and a really intense promo uh, talking about, you know, you want to finish the story while a bigger star is coming after you. Um talking about the relationship they had through their father, eh, through Cody's father, Dusty Rhodes, and about how everything Punk said on the pipe bomb, Cody actually did. Um, this did nothing more than make me really want to see Cody Rhodes CM Punk, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. But it's going to be interesting to see these two in the rumble. I've seen someone talking about final two. I'd love to see them be the opening two. That would be interesting. I think the thing about the final two is the fact that they're the two favourites. I think it would make it even more like unpredictable. There's nothing worse than get a final two and you know for a certain one of them isn't winning. Like There's a lot of people who I'm interested to see when they come after like Cody White when they're in with Cody at the same time, like Cody and Punk, Cody and True, Cody and Gunther running back what happened uh, last year. But I really like, well, if this promo is a good thing, like Punk's seen a bigger star and I think this is I remember seeing his issues with The Rock, being like The Rock took his spot at May 20 where he wanted it to be a triple threat when he was remember, like when he was champion and he was fighting Jericho, they got demoted to like second or third from the top because Rock Cena was happening on the inside a year in advance and he mentioned that and he's pretty probably like, not liking that Dwayne was in the main event of WrestleMania. And Cody, if you remember his that promo he cut right before the ladder match in AEW, the first time he did the whole what do you want to talk about? He mentioned the pipe bomb. And he said, I did all of that. And he references that here. So I think it's one of those ones that you really enjoy, especially if you're a long-time fan of both of them. And they both said, like, I like the line that I loved all, the audience all went, oh. And he said, like, you know, I'm a guy who was a blue-collar. My dad was a blue-collar worker. I worked everything to get where I wanted. I'm kind of more like the American dream than you are. I mean, he's not wrong. I like that. But also... Um Cody's also used the punk line before because I don't know if you remember before their first show, uh, Double or Nothing, Cody and Dustin, Cody talked about how Dustin was the last relic of an Attitude Era, an era that put a chip on the shoulder of everyone that followed because they talked about how things have improved since that era. And Cody's remark was, and as entertaining as Dwayne was, has any of his shtick on the mic ever hit home like a pipe bomb? And I, I always thought that was quite a good line. Um, so they do have an intertwining history. Be interesting to see if they are the last two, because I think they are your world championship competitors. And I think kind of like Michael's an undertaker in 2007, that's your... Um, 
oh my god, who can win here? Because no harm to Ryback, well, you know, mm. slight harm to Ryback, but when he gets to the last two against John Cena, well, you know John Cena's going to win. You know what I mean? Like, there's when it's a Roman Reigns, a Randy Orton, a John Cena, a Triple H, you know there's always a chance they might win it. Ryback's never winning the Rumble. You know what I mean? Like, one-man gang ain't winning the Rumble. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's let's make it somewhat entertaining. But, yeah, be interesting to see here. Um, and on the talk of surprise entrance in the men's Rumble, guys, I've been annoying David Campbell with us all day. Um, as part of the 40 years of WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan will be back in WWE 2K. Hulk Hogan had a promo about it being 40 years since his Hulkamania promo. And Hulk Hogan mentioned the wild card in the Royal Rumble. It's an event he's won twice before. I'm trying not to laugh here. And he said he might have one more left in him. Guys, mm -hmm. real American going to blare through the Tropicana field. God, no. Oh, I hope not. Like, this is not like Stone Cold coming back for Rainy Day or Rock potentially fighting Roman Reigns. Like, that's stuff we'd actually like to see. And as much as they've had issues, like, you know, with injuries and everything, they could still go. Hulk Hogan, if he even leans against the ropes the wrong way, it looks like he'd crumble into fucking dust. Like, he <laughs> was one person from a, from a car and all of a sudden thinks he's Superman again. Hey, hey, you leave Hulk Hogan alone, all right? Um, the born again, he is the Jesus strength now that he's born again. And if my throat wasn't hacked to bits from coughing, I'd do my Hulk Hogan impression. But um, it's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> I ironically brought up and David Campbell was like, that's worse. I went, no, nah, I think he'll just win the Andre at WrestleMania. He celebrate 40 years of mania. Uh you know what? You talking to Scott as Hulk Hogan makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Just be like, well, let me tell you something, brother. Anyway, moving oh. on. I mean, uh, that sounded way better oh, in my head. Oh, you boring bastard. I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Hogan, not in the Rumble. I, I don't think that's happened. Let's move on to the Women's Royal Rumble. Um, Becky Lynch's new book's out. She posted a tweet uh, Talk uh, Rumble prep, learning from the past. Uh, Bailey had an impassioned promo this past uh, week, uh, talking about how she was going to win the Rumble and go on to WrestleMania. Bianca Belair, she is always in with a shout. Uh, there, she seems to be... Triple H seems to have moulded her in the image of himself in the era of doom. Bianca wins, lol. Um, she's always in with an outside chance. There's no women's championship matches uh, at this year's Royal Rumble. would be interesting to see Rhea Ripley and Io Sky go in to the Royal Rumble match, uh, just because it's always interesting when the champion gets eliminated. There's always a wee storyline there, and you could have the likes of Becky. I think Becky Rhea is a lock for WrestleMania. You can test the waters with that stare-off. You can continue to tease the dissension and damage control by Bailey accidentally eliminating Eosky. But there is so much happening 
on Raw and SmackDown. I, I don't have a pick for the men's rumble. I couldn't even begin to hazard a guess for the women's rumble. Scott, what do you think? I think for, for a long time for me, it's been between like Bailey and uh, Becky. I think the story of Bailey fighting EO for the title or Becky going to fight Rhea, those are the two best like, stories. So I think it's between those two. I was leaning more so towards Bailey, but you because know, she's dealing, she's never won there. Also, the only thing she's got left to do, I think, the idea of getting to her match with uh, Eo is actually more interesting if she doesn't win the rumble because you can, you had Dakota basically saying like, "We need you to stop Bianca from winning the rumble." That was her main thing, and if say like Bailey gets eliminated by Bianca, then that could be the emphasis for damage control to betray Bailey and kick her, which leads to that story for Mania. But I think yeah, Becky winning the rumble and this, maybe finishing it. The final two being her versus Naya after like Naya's win a few weeks ago on Raw. Because and, and, I'm like you, Russ, I'm surprised at how short the run was. I, mean, I don't want many matches other than the two Rumbles. But I still would have thought there'd been more announced than there is. Like at least one women's tail match. Like, I don't even know who EO can feud with at the minute on SmackDown. Sometimes you can be easy, be easy to forget that she even is the champion. But I thought they would have spun the whole Naya beating Becky at day one into like a Rhea. Naya match because they seem to have been teasing that ever since Naya came back and yet they still haven't pulled the trigger on it I don't think Naya's going to win the Rumble I think she's the only one of the three that's been announced sorry four that's been announced that doesn't have an outside chance but I do think she is in for a big match against Rhea and I think you could see Rhea entering the Rumble what if Naya eliminates her and then you get Naya versus Rhea at the Chamber you know, it's a big match, it's a big fight feel, Rhea gets the win in her home country, and then we head on down the road to WrestleMania where we get Becky Rhea. Um, what about you, David? Any thoughts on the Women's Rumble? Any outside bets to come mm. back and win it? Any... Because this is this could be a weird one, because whenever Charlotte's in the Royal Rumble, you know, there's always a chance she's going to win it. Mm. But she's obviously out injured at the moment. Um... Any thoughts, any any predictions? I think given what could happen at WrestleMania, I think it's only going to go one of two ways for both matches. I think for the men's rumble, it's between CM Punk and Cody Rhodes. But I'll have Gunther as a dark horse, just given how well he delivered that promo against Rollins uh, on Monday. For the women's, I think, yeah, I agree with Scott. I think it's between Bailey and Becky. Because I think either way, I think Bailey is more likely because then I think it sort of ties in with the the dissension with damage control, etc. It'll sort of isolate her a bit more, and it sort of works towards the bills there. Whereas, at least if Becky doesn't win and if Cody doesn't win, they can get their wins in Australia if they win the respective elimination chamber matches. Should they do number one contenders matches? out there using the chambers as such. So I think it sets up a potential for Cody and Becky to come back fighting even harder to get that spot that they were denied from winning the Women's Royal Rumble because Becky's got her eyes set on Rhea. Uh, Cody Rhodes arguably has got his eyes set on Roman. Again, Punk versus Rollins is arguably a a lock-in at this point. I think even just promo work between Punk and Rollins up until Mania with Rollins' injury... I think that's going to be enough to carry the feud in a lot of ways. 
Whereas Cody and Becky, they they win a lot of support by their red ring work. And I think that'll help them more to win the Elimination Chamber and earn their matches the hard way rather than going through the Rumble for it. Right, gentlemen. Um, I'm not accepting Gunther as a dark horse, by the way, because I think he's a favourite. Um, Fair enough. I'm going to ask you, just straight up, men's Rumble, just give me the name. Scott, who's winning the men's Royal Rumble? Cody Rhodes. Dave, one name, one name only. You have to pick one. Mm-hmm. Who's winning the men's Rumble? CM Punk. CM Punk, right. What is the worst case scenario, Scott? Who is the worst winner for the men's Rumble? And I, I don't mean like, oh, here it is, I were winning it. What, what suggests a backward step or a lack of trust in Triple H's booking? What What is a, a Rumble winner that just is not needed? I list all that Brock's going to be back around about Rumble time, so Brock winning it, I think, again, uh, would, for yeah, another match with Seth and, and or Roman, which we've seen both at Mania multiple times. Fair enough. Uh, Dave, worst case scenario winner? Uh, if one of the challengers from the WWE title match enters the Rumble, I reckon worst case scenario would be Randy Orton winning his third Rumble. Because really? It's it's a Randy Roman match. Nobody really wants it at Mania when all eyes are on other people. Yeah. That's a good shout, David. That's, that's a very good shout. Um, Scott, Dark Horse. No, you can't pick Gunther because I've barred David for doing that as well. <laughs> Dark Horse, someone that's maybe not been announced. Someone that can have a standout performance. Maybe not win it, but a showing in the Rumble. Go on, give me somebody. Because he's appeared on Smad and his tease, he's going to be in the Rumble. I'm going to say Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes to break out in the Rumble. Dave, same question to you. I'm going to go with Jey Uso. Mm. Very you good. Know, I think there's a chance he could potentially be an Iron Man in this match, given how well he's done as a solo guy. No pun intended. Um, I reckon, you know, a few super kicks here and there, he could get a few eliminations as well. And the crowd will be behind him for sure. It's very true. It's ironic, isn't it? That usually aren't Uso in the Rumble, like, that's a wasted entry. But now both of them there, it could be the 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 kickstart to the feud. The brother versus brother, we know we're getting at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, I think that sets up Jay versus Jimmy perfectly. I am going to go... Ugh, I'm a victim to my own rule here. Mm-hmm. I can't go Drew McIntyre as a dark horse because I, I think he is a favourite as well. You know, he might not be the obvious favourite, but um, I am going to go dark horse, even though David Campbell's been screaming up for months. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Sami Zayn. If he's back from injury, I think Worst case scenario is, and as much as I love him, The Rock winning the Rumble. Mm. I would love it in the moment, but I think 
And I, I don't think he has the backlash of a, a Roman or a Batista w- with the crowd in attendance, but with the hardcore fans, I, I just I don't think putting Cody to the side when he's made it clear the world title isn't finishing the story, um, to do Rock Roman with Rock as the Rumble winner, it could backfire. And winner... I'm going to go Cody. I'll go. I think Cody wins it because if Cody doesn't win it, it's a foregone conclusion. He's winning one of the chamber matches. I think Cody Rhodes wins the rumble. Right. I put you on the ringer. Sorry, you go. I was going to say, uh, I think the chambers have suffered in recent years is more so than rumbles from the a protectability factor. So mm-hmm. yeah, Cody not like winning the rumble instead of a chamber gives a bit more air of unpredictability when it comes to what were the chamber matches. Like you say, they do a number of contenders for a world title. Um, well, let's go to the Women's Royal Rumble, guys. Um, if you had to pick between Becky and Bailey, David, you can go first this time. Mm-hmm. Becky or Bailey, who's winning? Bailey. Bailey. Scott? Yeah, I talked myself around to this one, so I'm going to go Becky. Oh, I'll go tiebreaker. I'll go. I'll go Bailey because I think it's the only way she gets the shot. Whereas Becky, Rhea's already goading her, so I'll go Bailey. It's the last thing she has to win. I'll go with Bailey. Um, worst case scenario uh, for me, Nia Jax winning it is the absolute worst case scenario. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. Either that or like the Roman's Rumble more so than the men's. There's a lot of surprises, like a legends coming back. So if I can't say Naya, which would be mine, the other worst case scenario is like one of the legends coming back and winning it. Yeah, because I think it's one of the first years where there is a they should win it. I, mm-hmm. with the, like, I think the first year everyone thought Asuka was going to win it, but I think with the build they've been doing recently, Bailey and Becky are the ones people are like, they should win it. But it's Triple H seems to like now. Um, right, dark horse for you in the women's rumble. Um, Dave, if you can't think of one, and Scott... Oh, no, I've got one. one. Oh, no, have you got one? All right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the floor is open. Uh, mm-hmm. Open, don't you go. Uh, Jade Cargill. Oh, that's a good show. Actually. Yeah, think- like obviously not been announced. She was signed months ago. She's been at the Performance Center. I think the Rumble's a good way to properly introduce her and it also protects her in a lot of ways. You know, so many bodies in the ring. She doesn't have to, you know, be extremely technical. You know, it's just throwing people over the top rope, etc. She could just rest in the corner for most of the match, but it protects her in a lot of ways. It might hide her weaknesses and stuff, but, you know, have you seen her though? She's a bloody specimen of a human like she could get a ton of eliminations in this match right Scott dark horse for you uh, I don't think like, this is a dark horse to win but somebody could really have a breaker I think they've done all they can in NXT I'm going to go another NXT person uh, Tiffany Stratton Tiffany Stratton oh it'd be interesting um good choices there good choices for a dark horse but to me, someone who's done all they can in NXT, and I know Scott, you referenced this, was Tiffany Stratton. 
I think Roxanne Perez. She is about to uh, challenge for the NXT Championship uh, at Vengeance Day. She, that's the week after uh, the Royal Rumble on the 4th of February. And I just, she seems to get this spotlight on NXT. You know, she was in the cage match. Uh, she was the Iron Survivor. She won the the match against Cora Jade, the hardcore match. And she suffers from the lack of a mid-card women's championship because I think she would be perfect for it. She's so over with the crowd. She can easily come up and down. Uh, she's a former Ring of Honor women's champion back when it meant something. And, you know, she's she's quite an interesting character, I feel, that has a lot of support and can go in between the <coughs> Excuse me. Can go in between the ropes. I feel she's hit her ceiling in NXT. I feel uh, live our carrier. She's she's on her run at the minute. It's her time, and I think if you stop parting of Roxanne Perez another run, yeah, okay, Roxanne Perez is okay, but where does Lyra Valkyria go from here? Um, I don't think she's as strong a character or as interesting a character that she can bounce back the way Roxanne Perez does. I think Roxanne Perez a final goodbye and then moving up to the main roster. Uh, even you know going up against damage control you know being being with Bailey you know she is a fan of Bailey it'd be interesting to see Roxanne Perez come in as that sort of fan when Bailey was just that you know and how good would it be if Bailey wins the rumble she's going up against damage control and the two of them make the entrance and it's the return of the hugger theme song like it's just it writes itself i mean but we did ask um <laughs> we did ask um in our group chat about uh, other people's winners worst case scenarios dark horses Quacko said winner cm punk and winners cm punk and bailey worst case scenarios brock lesnar's and zoe starks Jesus, yeah, she would be horrendous. Dark Horses, R-Truth and Kyrie saying good shouts there. Mm-hmm. Uh, CM Punk and Becky Lynch for the win for Stephen Wilson. Shane McMahon and Nia Jax as the worst case scenarios. Um, I want to change my answer to agree with Kwakunu actually because mm-hmm. at least Nia Jax can talk and emote. Zoe Stark looks like what AI thinks a woman wrestler is. Uh, Chad Gable and Tina Knox as the Dark Horses in the men's and women's rumble respectively. Um, Cody Rhodes and Bailey as the winners is Grant McRobbie uh, our own David Gamble winning the Rumble uh, would be worst case scenario for him Nia Jax winning the women, Women's Rumble Sami Zayn and Tegan Knox as the Dark Horses Alan saying CM Punk is a winner Brock Lesnar is worst case scenario Damian Priest as the Dark Horse Becky Lynch, Zoe Starks and Tegan Knox as winner worst case and Dark Horse respectively and yet, let's know. Let's know at Suplex Retweet. Get in touch with your winner, your worst case scenario, and your dark horse for the rumble. Let us know. Feel so smug when you get it right on Sunday or Saturday, or delete your tweets on Sunday mornings. It's up to yourself. But guys, there was so much to talk about this week. We've had an interesting conversation about the rumble. We've discussed TNA, Raw going to Netflix, so much more. 
Um, there's so much more we haven't had a chance to prep because so much is happening. We haven't had a chance to watch Nick Cannon on Pat McAfee's show, so we're not going to cover that because we can't obviously give you an accurate description. We'll talk about that next Sunday when we record to release for the following Monday after the Royal Rumble. We'll talk about more details about the Netflix story and so much more. You know, Tony Khan's not picked up his phone in a fit of rage, Scott. So it'll be interesting to talk about what tweets he sent out next week. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll have a lovely weekend, you know. Definitely not Instagram. <laughs> collision, you know, he's somebody with the triple uh, three-on-three cage match for this Saturday. He has he? Uh, it's like like Daniel Garcia and FTR versus House of Black on collision in a cage match. That will be a good watch, but it's not beating a Royal Rumble. Uh, I mean, Christ, we talked so much about the Rumble, we've not talked about the US title or the Fatal 4-Way, as is the Rumble. It takes precedence. Always. Thank you, exactly. Thank you very much, Scott and David, for joining me. Thank you for having us. Uh, don't forget, massive back catalogue, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. If you want to listen to our Royal Rumble quiz, which comes out this week, the day of the Royal Rumble. Uh, uh, is it the fifth Royal Rumble quiz we've done? Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cause yeah, because I won the first in 2020 yeah. and we've done it annually since. Uh, yeah, it's been a our Royal Rumble quiz. It started as a mere dream and now it's part of our staple. It's coming out this coming Saturday, the 27th of January, same day as the Royal Rumble. Uh, watch our lovely mugs on the YouTube. Uh, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Get in contact, let us know your best worst case scenarios for the Rumble and your dark horses. Let us know, much like Wade Barrett, do you live in hope that a Papa Shango return is imminent? <laughs> Let us know and we'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Coming out this Friday, the 12th of January on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Network is our feature show on Rey Mysterio. Yes, this show is hosted by myself, Quackarachi. Joining me on the panel is Andy Mitchell, David Altney and Daniel Campbell. Make sure you're subscribed, whether that be on Spotify, Apple or Android Podcasting Networks for your Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet feature show on Rey Mysterio. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.